We've been in a series last number of weeks through the book of Exodus, observing and seeing the fact that our lives are much like the children of Israel, where we are on a journey. And the thought behind this is, I am here, but God wants me there. So how do I get from here to there? And in my mindset, and quite ignorantly mindset, is that the Christian life must be smooth and easy without any trouble, and just all the way along. But that's not what we find at all throughout the Bible. In fact, Jesus says, if you follow me, people will reject you. It's not going to be easy. And we certainly find that, much like it's on the screen, where the little line goes up and down and back and forth. And you may be in a position in your life right now when you're looking around thinking, this is not what I planned. This is not how I foresaw my, my, where I would be as a you know, 20 or 30 or 40 or, I mean, I mean no one's over 50 here, so a 50-year-old. Now, how did you see yourself? And you look back on your life and you think, how did I end up here? Well, it came about with small little steps, small little steps. And you maybe have taken a step backwards. You may have taken a step to the side. Your life may be not where you planned it to be. But let me challenge you and encourage you. Not for one moment of one day has God not been with you. He didn't forget about you. The children of Israel, to give you a little background of the, of, of the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, we find the nation of Israel after generations of slavery. And they cry out to God and they say to God, God, liberate us, spare us, protect us. And God says, I hear you. And he rose up a man who was 80 years old. He was a young man. And 80 years old. And he said to Moses, Moses, go Talk to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses did exactly what you and I would have done if we were going to go and stand before the prime minister or the queen, because this is the world, Egypt was the world superpower of the day. I can't do that. And God gives him a wonderful promise in Exodus chapter number three, in verse number 12, where he says, This is God talking. He said, But I will be with you. Now, that statement right there, we could always say that I'll always be with you. I'll always love you, always care for you. And we, our feelings, they go up and they go down. We go left and we go right because we're emotional people. But when God promises, but I will be with you, we know that he's not up and down. He's secure. And not for one moment of one second or millisecond of, of our eternity and our existence has God not known who you are and where you are. God miraculously brought out his people out of slavery and through a course of, of, of plagues and, and miraculous events, God brought his people out. They went through the Red Sea, which God miraculously parted. They were thirsty. God provided water. They were hungry. God provided food and only in a way that only God could provide. And all the way through that, the, the Israelites were close to God, and then they would grumble and feel like they were far from God. And they were much like us. And I can see a lot of resemblance in my own personality here. When everything's going smooth, God, I'll praise you and serve you. But as soon as I get a little bit hungry, God, why have you forgotten me? And maybe you kind of feel the same way. And I want to, in my life, and I, I assume you do too, I don't wake up in the morning and go, today I just cannot wait to fail. Yes, 
today's a sunny day. It's a good day for failure today. Not at all. We wake up going, today's going to be a good day. I want a good day. God, will you provide? Will you bless? Will you protect? Give me a, a, a blessings. Provide for me. And it's so easy to look inwardly and to say, when everything's going well. Our principle for today is talking about unity. Unity with God and unity with others. And the fact that we can find victory in it. Every single Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our lives. And the principle for this week is this. I, you can put your, your for, for yourself, I can experience victory when I am unified with God and others. I can experience victory. And that's what we all want is victory. But it's not just a matter of power or positive thinking, you know, mind over matter, then I'll be victorious. We must go to the source, which is the source is God. I'm going to read in Exodus chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus 17. We're going to read the account of the Israelites going from a time where they were testing God because they were thirsty. God provided for them. And now they have the, um, the Amalekites or, or the, the nation of Amalek coming against them and to fight against them. And how did they respond in victory? And then we're gonna, from that, we're going to find four elements of victory and unity that we can seek to apply to our lives. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, it'll be on the screens for you to follow as well. It says this in verse number eight. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hand. So Joseph did, sorry, Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, as they, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. The Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. We're going to see four elements this morning. And the four elements are, we have the power of God, the power of partnership, the power of prayer, and finally is the power of praise. Now, those of you who are regulars at Southwest Baptist, you know that uh, the other pastor of our church, Dwayne, he does everything by the same letter all the way through. And it always, anytime I can get the similar, I can only get four out of uh, three out of four P's. But if you notice the P's there, so I'm quite proud of myself today that I got three out of four P's here. So we're going to see God, partnership, prayer, and praise. And what we're going to do here, and the, the goal for today is, we're, honestly, we're just going to scratch the surface. The goal is to give you a hunger that you will go into the Word of God yourself and discover how you can apply these truths to your life as individuals. The other part is that we want to apply. 
Because anytime we hear about victory and power, it's all well and good on Sunday morning to hear that and go, that's great, but what about tomorrow? We must put these things into daily practice and begin to develop the disciplines in our life so that when we come across times of difficulty, we are ready to respond. We're ready to respond in victory rather than having to go back and relearn the lessons all over again. The first point we see in the first element of victory and unity is the power of God. Power of God. In verse 7 of that passage, the Israelites had just been grumbling and complaining and saying, God, where are you? Why have we're thirsty here? And they were dying of thirst. And there was a, a real legitimate need, except they turned in not in faith, but in grumbling to God. And they said, is the Lord among us or not? And they were testing God. God, are you really there? And the very next verse, in verse number 8, we see that Amalek was coming. And they were around them, and they were fighting against them. And they were picking off the weak people. In, in that passage in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25, we, we see, and I'm not going to read it, but we see the account of, uh, of the fact that what the Amalekites were doing were coming and they were taking the, the, the people that were in the outskirts. They were taking the weak people, the people that weren't in the safety in the numbers, and they were picking them off one by one. There's a picture of, of, of ungodliness or sat satanic oppression. We see that often. It's not in your times when you're strong that you fall. It's when you're all by yourself and you're a little bit weak. and You feel like nobody cares for you. Nobody's around you. You get picked off by the enemy. And Israel had a choice here of how they were going to respond. Were they going to ignore it and go, just take the weak ones, we'll just keep going? Or they said, we're going to turn and we're going to fight against this enemy and defeat this enemy. They had unity in their power because they had a problem. In verse 8, it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. We need the power of God because we have a powerful enemy against us. Israel could not defeat Amalek all by themselves. They've been slaves for generation upon generation. Nowhere do we find that they were trained as warriors. So we have untrained people ready to fight a real battle, life or death battle, against people that were seasoned warriors, the Amalekites. They definitely needed God. For you and I, we are all under the power of God. We all enjoy the power of God. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time going into this because this is actually really fun talking here because it's talking about the fact that not for one moment of one day has uh, the power of God not been protecting us, not we've been protected in His hand. I mean, take a breath. Ready? Everyone breathe. That's amazing. You know who gave you that air? It's God. You know, you, we, the fact that the gravity, the law of gravity is really there at all times. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it's heavier than others, but it's always there. The fact that we're not floating away is there. Is the fact that God is always in control. The fact that the earth is continuing to spin and the fact that it's continuing to go around the sun. And for not for one moment of one day has God not been in control of absolutely every aspect of our, our lives. 
And that's for every single person. But what about for you personally? There's something that God has done for you and for me in regards to our unity with God. It's a personal unity. In 1 John chapter number 4, verses 4 and 5, sorry, chapter number 5, verses 4 and 5, it says, For everyone, now for that everyone, you can put your name in there. For me, Michael. For Michael. You put your name in there. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It says there, our faith. It's not faith in ourself. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And it goes on. It says in verse 5, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There's another verse in Romans chapter number 1, verse 16 that says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to, that's that word again, everyone who believes. You put your name in there. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God? Do you believe that He is God that came to earth and died on the cross, rose from the dead, to cover your sins? If so, this simply is to accept that. It's not just head knowledge. It's, it's an actual acceptance of God's wonderful gift of salvation. So then we can enjoy unity with God. The real question there is, do you believe that? Because when you do believe that, that changes our perspective on absolutely everything. No longer do we see life in the short term. Now we can begin to see life in the way that God sees our life. No longer do we see our purpose in the way that society sees our purpose. Now we see our purpose the way that God sees our purpose. And the and society says, you are a cosmic accident. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, not just made for your time here on earth, but you are made for eternity. So when we have unity with God through our faith, as, as 1 John says, it says there in Romans, to everyone who believes. So my challenge to you is that are you the everyone? Are you one of those who have placed your trust upon Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, you can do that right where you are right now. It uses the word gospel. In Romans, the gospel is simply the Jesus's death, burial and resurrection. It's simply a word that means the good news. You can do that where you are right now, placing your trust upon Jesus Christ as your savior. But if you at the end of the service, if you would do me the honor, let me know. And I'll talk with you and walk you through with the Bible and give you an assurance of salvation from the word of God. Because you're not trusting in a church, you're not trusting in an individual, you're trusting in a person, and that person is, uh, you're trusting in God, and that God is in Jesus Christ. Do you believe? The second part of the element of victory is the power of partnership. One of the joys about being part of a local church is that we are not all the same. We're all uniquely gifted. And I'm going to go through this point quite quickly because I just want to, to touch on this and the fact that every single person in this account in the book of Exodus 17 were simply doing their part. 
Moses was doing his part as a man standing on top of the, with the staff of God, praying for the people. Aaron and her were doing their part, holding up the leader's arms and joining him in prayer and encouraging that. I'm sure that was a spiritual battle that Moses was going through. A physical battle, in other words, he tired physically, but also it was a spiritual battle because he's praying on behalf of others. And you imagine being in the bottom of that, that valley there, fighting a, a battle that you've never fought before. You're holding a sword and say, I've never fought in a battle. I, you know, in a sense, how does this work? Every single person was doing their part. In that passage, we see Joshua. Joshua later on, 40 years later, becomes the leader of the nation of Israel and leads them to incredible military victory. In fact, there's an entire book of the Bible named for him, the book of Joshua. But at this time, this is the first time we actually see him recorded in the Bible. We don't see any history with him. We don't know what his military background is. All we know is he's an honorable man that's been faithful in service and he's been given an incredible position of being the general or the leader of the army. They were unified in a cause. Every single person had to do simply their part. Verse 9 says, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, in other words, you'd go and do your part. The men, they're going to go do their part in the army. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with a staff of God in my hand. They simply, each as individuals, did their part. We have a unity in a call. We're called to work together as a local church. One of the joys about being part of a local church, as I said earlier, is that we're all uniquely gifted. None of us are exactly the same in our gifts and abilities and opportunities. And God has saw fit to bring us together, and there's room for more, so that we can live out His plan and purpose in our life. We have a power in partnership. The next is a power of prayer. We see the power of God and we're unified with God. We, we see the power of partnership when we're unified under God with others. And now we have the privilege of having the power of prayer. And prayer is simply talking to God. Now, I think it's absolutely amazing. If you ever can't sleep at night, this is what I do. I think through the deep things of eternity, like prayer, and talking to the creator of the universe who sees the beginning from the end all at once, and somehow he cares for me and for you enough that he actually hears us when we talk to him. That is absolutely amazing, and for some reason it puts me to sleep at night because it just becomes too deep, and I just, oh. In, here, in this passage, we see what's known as intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer, and you're expanding your word knowledge or your word power today. Intercessory prayer is praying not for yourself, but praying on behalf of, or to, uh, for others. So I'm praying to God on your behalf. I'm praying to God on someone else's behalf, and that's known as intercessory prayer. It's easy to pray for ourselves. In fact, it's quite easy. I have no problem praying for my, my own well-being. I have no problem praying for my own ailments or my own feelings or my own opportunities. But it's different and it's a discipline to pray for others. And the reason why I call it a discipline is that it's not something that's beyond us. It's something that is 
a daily discipline. You don't want to say, well, I prayed for them one time and I never have to pray for them again. A discipline is, I'm going to continue to pray for you. I'm going to continue to bring you up before God. We have an absolutely uh, a privilege in our connection cards. Here's a little commercial break, but actually fits really well with the message. We have our connection cards. In your bulletin, you, you received one. If not, they're on the tables uh, outside the doors on this side. And the beauty of the connection cards, and every single Sunday we give them out, and we, we encourage people to, to write on them. And, and if you're our guest here today, please fill one out. It helps me remember your name, just in for practical reasons. It helps me remember your name. Otherwise, I'll call you Hey You. There's other opportunity on the card to respond to the message in regards to salvation or baptism or, or an act of service. But my personal favorite is the bottom where it has the prayer request. And I was reviewing this yesterday and I was in my office and I opened up the cabinet underneath on the side there. And I have a pile of answered prayer requests over the course of the years of this talk of all the different answered prayers. And what I do is sometimes the, the, the connection cards are very private so that no one else sees them, only myself and Duane. Other times they're public and we share that with others and we, others of us join in prayer for various things. And afterwards, I, I put them on my desk and I have a pile about this big right now and it kind of gets spread out a little bit and I put them out and it, it's a constant reminder I pray through them. And when they're answered, they graduate to the drawer. And the reason why I don't throw them away is it's a reminder to me that when I open up that cabinet, look at all these answered prayers. I consider that a tremendous privilege. And you know what's wonderful is there's nothing special about pastor prayer. Like, I don't have extra access to God. You have the same access that I do. I, I mean, I consider it a privilege when you fill out a connection card, but your prayers are just as powerful as my prayers. And what we see here is the, the privilege of prayer. And it says in verse number 11, whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, and they took a stone and put it under him. See, he wasn't just praying by himself. He had his brother Aaron and also her beside him. Physically, they were helping him, and he was getting weary. But I think it was more of a spiritual battle where when you're praying with somebody else, something powerful happens. And they're praying together for the protection of, the, of, of their people. They were praying specifically, I'm sure, as they're standing up there, they wouldn't just say, you know, God bless everything. God bless the battle. God bless the battle. I'm sure they would look down and see individual people. You know, God, protect them. I can see them. They're being overwhelmed right now. God, will you work with them? You imagine that it was, it was a two-way. They're up there praying for specific people. These are their brothers and their sisters, or their brothers fighting the battle. It says in verse number 13, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. You imagine being on the bottom of the valley and you're fighting a battle that you've never fought before. And maybe you're right now, I'll spiritualize this a little bit, you're in a, a physical battle or a spiritual battle right now that you've never faced before and you're feeling incredibly overwhelmed. You imagine being in the bottom of this valley fighting against this enemy, Amalek, and you're fighting against them and you look up and you know that your leader, Moses, is up on the top of the hill praying for you. 
How does that make you feel? It builds you up, not just in a spiritual sense because you know that God's actually with you and He promises to be with you, but now you know that you're not fighting this battle all by yourself. In the United States, I worked for a church for five years and in the U.S. after Bible college before moving back to Australia. And there was a little Mexican lady who's literally not even up to my shoulder in height. And she's in her late 80s now, and I still would not mess with her. And she's a little lady. Her name is Mrs. Garcia. And when I left that church to, to come back to Australia, and then I visited again four years ago, she re- reiterated the same promise. She grabbed my hand. With a strong voice, she says, Michael, I pray for you every day. And I believe her. And I know she does. And I, I hope there's people that pray for you every day. But I know for me personally, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like I'm in the middle of a valley, or there's things that I can't handle on my own, I recall and remember there's a little lady named Mrs. Garcia who pro- prays for me, and I bet she prays powerful prayers too. Every single day day. That leads you into the the power of prayer. We have the unity of prayer when our souls are bound together. Something is is wonderful and it's a genuine care for people. And oftentimes within church world, we'll say things like, how can I help you? If I can help you at all, let me know. And we'll say, well, just pray as if that's nothing. As if that's nothing. How about we turn that attitude around and saying, I'm guaranteeing I'm going to pray for you and then I'll help you with practical things. It's not an either or. I'm going to stop and pray for you first. It builds incredible unity, even with people that you don't like. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, Jesus is teaching and he says this, You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus turns that totally around and says, But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Now that's not pray for them, God, will you please destroy my enemies. What that saying is, God, will you bless my enemies? Will you protect them? Will you, you turn their hearts towards you? It's praying for their betterment, not for their destruction, which in turn changes our hearts. We have unity within prayer. You imagine a church that prays for each other, how we'll care for one another. Not just, you know, you know, I want to know all your problems so I can gossip about you. I want to genuinely pray and bring you before God. It builds us up in love, in unity and purpose. And in Matthew 18, Jesus continues teaching and it says, Again, I say to you, if two, are agree, if, if, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. We see here there is power in the victory and the unity with God, with partnership, with prayer. And then finally, we see in this passage, the end of the battle, they've defeated Amalek. Now, what? They go on and go, oh, that was good. Thank you. And they continue on. They actually turn it around and they turn it as a teaching moment. And they also turn it into a time of praise and worship. Verse 14 says, because there's power in of the praise, power of praise. Verse 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Now, it wasn't right away, but later on, Amalek was absolutely defeated and destroyed. 
Verse 15 says, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. If you know the Hebrew phrase for that is Jehovah Nissi means that the Lord is my banner. And the beautiful thing with this, it quite literally means under the banner of the Lord, I find victory. So therefore, when we're going before an enemy, when we're going before a time of uncertainty, we are not going forward all by ourselves. We're going underneath the banner of God. And that's where we will find our victory. And that's, that's an aspect of, of praise. And so they built an altar to worship God and to praise God with one of the wonderful names or the attributes of God. In a few moments' time, we're going to sing a song called The Goodness of God. And it will be a time when we pray in just a few moments' time. I'm going to challenge you to pray and ask God to work in your life, but also as God brings people to your mind this week. Here, you have homework now. You ready? That you will pray for them. God may bring randomly to your mind in the middle of the night. He may wake you up and a person may be on your mind. You go, why am I thinking about that person? Turn that around as an opportunity to God, you've, you've reminded me. I'm going to pray for them. As you drive along on the, on the road and God brings people to your mind, opportunities to your mind, that you will discipline yourself, not just think, hmm, that was nice. Or you, you stop and think, I'm going to pray for them. Pray that God blesses them or protects them. Maybe an opportunity, a prayer request comes to your mind and you begin to pray for that specific need in their life. Can you imagine how different your life will be if we can be intercessors for others? How our care for others will change? How our care for our own family, our own church family, our own community changes? When we see a need and we see an opportunity, rather than going, somebody needs to do something about that, we instantly go to God in prayer. And if every single one of us does that, imagine what kind of impact we can make in our community. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer and we sing that song, The Goodness of God. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for who you are. You know where we are. You know our needs. Lord, there's people within our church family that are, are hurting. They're hurting in regards to their, their physical health. Lord, I pray that you will raise them up, that you will... Do what you promised to do, that you will be with us every step of the way. There's people within our church family that are, that are hurting in regards to their, their work situation or the, the lack of employment. Lord, I pray that you provide work, provide enough work to provide. Well, there's people in, re, in regards to their relationships, there's breakdowns of relationships and relationships need to be restored. Lord, I pray that you'll work in, in family relationships and restore marriages and restore relationship with children. Lord, I, I pray that we'll come and be a church of prayer so that we will be the people you want us to be and do the things you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.